I think we are live. I might just take a few. Yeah, there we go. Cool. Good morning. Good morning, one and all. Welcome to the Football Fan Show. It's me and DJ Rad. DJ, do you call yourself DJ Rad in like in life, or only we call you that? Only you'll call me that. I'm just Rad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Actually, the I, I used to, so with some of the gigs I do, um, it's me and another guy, um, another expat, uh, Mark Bennett, and we used to do it together because with these gigs, like um, when you're doing these corporate gigs or weddings and stuff, it's nice to have someone just to bounce off and, you know, um, yeah. they normally... Why do need to go to the toilet? Yeah, whatever, <laughs> like just nice and easy. So we used to call ourselves ones and twos, um, so that's what they used to okay. call us for a while, but yeah, normally just rads. All right, luck, luck. All right, for those of you just tuning in, welcome. Waiting for you to join us. Uh, Carbon Goldstone, yeah? Rads. We're missing a few members today. So we got a few messages this morning and load trading came back. <laughs> now, I didn't even know load trading was back. I was like chilling on Thursday evening and the lights went off. And I, I always go check if I put electricity in a box. That's the first thing I do because <laughs> my, <laughs> my box often just goes. And it, it does that beeping thing that irritates me, but sometimes I can't hear it. Yeah. So I was shocked when I woke up in the morning and I, I was like, oh, the load shedding's back. So we're just trying to see where it fell. Unfortunately for us, it fell in a critical time. Most importantly, because uh, we have a Newcastle fan that hangs out with us, Dre. And I really wanted Dre to be here this morning because the biggest thing that happened in English football this week might just be the biggest thing in English football for a long time to come, yeah. depending on how... How well the Saudis uh, spend their money. Uh, if they if they comfortably uh, do this in a way where they give someone time, or if they start chopping hands off for people who don't do well. <laughs> chopping your hands off. Oh, you, you went straight into the human rights. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we'd like to know what you guys think. What's your first thoughts on the Saudi takeover? I think it's massive. Will they, will they be patient? <laughs> uh, no, Keenan was saying um, he saw a statement where they were talking about five to ten years um, to win the league. That's that's pretty aggressive. Five years is aggressive. Ten years is not. Um, so five years for Newcastle means they've got to throw, throw out their whole squad. Maybe it's just saying maximum they can maybe stay, but that's a whole new squad. You're talking about maybe 20 mm. players um that need to bring in will have just joined and will have just joined you might you might get a cut price deal back to arsenal who knows um but um yes. it's really going to depend i think um you'd hope that they've taken over with a plan in mind so they've got um a strategy of you know leadership who's going to run it what they're going to look at and how they're going to target the transfer window so um yeah it's 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 um interesting times i think um if i compare it to maybe the man city one I know we're talking about wealth, but it's a different type of wealth. So, you know, we're talking about this is so sovereign mm. funds. So basically the money that they, yeah. they, that their owners is the Saudi people's money. You know, they look that, that's money sure. for the economy. So um, the intent is that they diversify their income. But really, you don't make a lot of money in football clubs. Most most football clubs mm. lose money. So if they're looking to make money, which I don't, I don't think they are. Um, but if if it is, then. Um, you know, I don't think we're gonna we're gonna see the same sort of flow, but uh, I think they are looking to clean their money somehow. Um, what a, and I think it's a it's the best way to do it through um, a football club. Um, so I expect they'll luxury purchase. Luxury purchases. I think they'll they'll be looking to uh, appoint a new manager shortly. I don't think it'll be Lampard or or Gerard as I think there'll be someone more experienced. Uh, maybe who knows but um it'll be someone who will come in and start the project of getting in um talent and then once they prime they can get in their short-term managers yeah if we look at the the city takeover it was mark hughes um found himself shaking hands with the abu dhabi group uh smiling and making his first few purchases but we all kind of knew He's That's never gonna, gonna last. last. Never gonna last. <laughs> same with same with Claudio Ranieri, right? So Claudio Ranieri, yeah. Ranieri was in there before Roman came in, and we already knew he's yeah. never gonna last. We knew. Um, so I mean, back then I think Chelsea was still a decent team. They were mid-table team who could push for top four. Um, they had some success yeah. in the FA Cups, um, and they had a good team and with they had Zola. Good players. They had good yeah. players. They had good players. So there was a lot of appeal in there. 
Um, so Ranieri was a good manager, um, but uh, yeah, you knew that they, they were going to the next league. He won the league, right? With not, not with Chelsea, but not with Chelsea. Yeah. yeah. With Leicester, I mean, yeah, with yeah. Leicester. And he's so back he, in the league. He now. actually had league winning ability. Yeah, he did. He did. I don't I don't think he'll win the league with mm. Watford. Um but um you know I, I might just put a, a couple of rands on there just in case. Okay. So we we looked at was we were discussing um the the transition of Newcastle, so how Newcastle now becomes let's say a power team we're talking about what now are we talking now about a top eight or even a top 10 in in the world if west ham gets a deal not in, in the premier oh, league it's, it's right? Okay, right so extending I, I think it's more a case of what happens to those who who will become perennial failures i think um you know oh. if you are unable to make it into the top four for a sustained period would you still be considered as a top six? I'm not saying this will happen to mm. Arsenal or Spurs or anyone. It could happen. And if that does happen where they are no longer in a position where they, they're competing at the highest level, would you still consider them one of the top six clubs or top four clubs? You know, historically, yes, always. Um, but in terms of competing on all fronts, you know, it, it becomes a new landscape. Mm. So uh, I suppose in the case of Spurs, they're like more of a recent break into the top four. Uh, they were out the top four for many, many years, yeah. like uh, 2000s, 90s. Yeah. Arsenal, the opposite. They were in and out. They've been out for a long time. It's... They're united, skirted with it a bit, um, in and out, in at the moment. But what, it's been maybe three years out of it? Yeah, look, not more than two years at a time. Um, but I think in total yeah, yeah. we spent... Not more yeah. than two at a time. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at those clubs and then you say to yourself, Man United, there's no way Man United, a club like Man United, is going to look at Chelsea, uh, Newcastle, Liverpool, City, and be like, there's a new order. They're going to they're gonna always want to be part of that order. Yeah. And I don't also, I think also the Arsenal project, I don't think Arsenal is also settled at this point on being out of the top four. I think they've also... Got a got a at least a commitment uh, to their legacy to always be uh, a top four club. So now, if you look at if you start adding clubs in that mix like Leicester and West Ham, also you were discussing the possible negotiations of a takeover there. Yeah, like it's going to be super competitive. We could have a team finishing first and then finishing seventh, and another team finishing first and then finishing fourth. Like. That's going to be more exciting football. That's, that's going to be like what the Super League was supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it, it makes it interesting. I think um, the, Newcastle have a, have a larger fan base um, than Man City. I also think they probably got... And a, Chelsea, probably. Yeah, and I think that maybe uh, inherently got a bigger global appeal. You know, I even think back, you know, it might sound silly, but I think back to movies where Newcastle have been the team that have been portrayed... Uh, I think it was the gold yeah. movie, and, and and Newcastle continues to be, um, you know, seen for what they can provide in football. St James's Park is is a massive stadium uh, with some historical ties, so um, it it won't be where City are playing in a Champions League game and and they've got an empty stadium. This this is going to be massive for for the area, and I know um, some of the Newcastle fans are talking about the investment that will come into the community um, that they're looking forward to. More so than just the football on the park as well. Yeah, jobs, opportunities. Jobs, opportunities. All that Saudi money happen. pumped into the whole Newcastle Twin side. I'm wondering now, like as a as a as a as a fan of another club, I'm wondering now. When you look at the list of top clubs, most with the with or clubs with the with the richest owners, it like for me it's super frustrating to yeah. see to see Arsenal in the top ten richest owners. Performing the way they do. I mean, I mean, actually, if you look at the numbers on the books between, let's say, for example, Man City, Roman, Roman and uh, Kunker, like, okay, it's, it's billions, but like, it's not like a lot of billions. Yeah. And it makes you think that many teams, Wolves, Arsenal in particular, could have competed at least for like uh, ahead of Spurs, ahead of Leicester, yeah. ahead of West Ham, because they their owners had the capacity for it, like like City and Chelsea. But what about Man United? You think Man United 
will always just rely on its status as a big club with its own funds? Or does it also start looking for rich owners to bankroll its success? If United can't sustain continued success, and it's been a long period without some success, right? So if that if that lasts much longer, how 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 commercially viable will be some of the uh, the deals they have? You know, so they're getting top dollar for the deals, and if they're not one of those top clubs in the world, that that dollar value is going to reduce, which means that we won't be able to rely on the name alone and the commerciality mm. of of United. We'll need an owner who's going to back us and put money in and 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 compete. So, um, you know, while the the United at the peak of their powers in terms... I think there's no team as strong as United in, in, on the commercial front, right? So while at the peak of the powers, they've got, to make, they've got to make sure that translates to success in the field. And if they can't, then it's going to be a problem in the future. Because I'm wondering now, United, right? If I look at United's, United's success as a brand, you, you can't separate that from the success on the field. Yeah, It's impossible to separate that. You look at a club like Man City, um, you would never find a man. I knew one Man City fan in Durban my whole life, like one guy. Yeah. And I remember I was a, I was, I was a journalist when uh, Man City was acquired and we went to find the guy <laughs> <laughs> to do an, an interview with the one Man City fan. Yeah. How do you feel? Like he was hopeful, maybe this was good times coming. I mean, he had like an old Man City jersey. Yeah. I've been supporting Man City since I was a light. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was from England at some point in his life. Yeah. And uh, he was so excited that, like, he's living in Durban. I'm so excited, Man City. Let's hope now we can compete. Yo, but now you can you can you can drive around in a mall or go in a mall or drive around and you'll see a man you you'll see a Man City jersey. Yeah. Uh, and so you know. That success, maybe not in a in a like overnight sense, yeah. but it is penetrating slowly, slowly. It, it is slow because you... um, in my age bracket, I don't know many, and and even in the yeah. age bracket below, so us, I, I coach men, and even in the in in that. So when I say men, I, I'm coaching guys that are between the age of of eighteen and thirty. Um, in that mix, there are none that are Man City supporters. Um, so I think it's a generation before that. So and when when I do see city kids in the malls and stuff, I normally see them all in in young kids, maybe fifteen, sixteen yeah. or younger. That that I'm seeing city kids. So there will be a generation of city supporters and a lot of them, um, yeah, because of the success they've had. Yeah, my light is twelve, and I took him to a party the other day. And this kid, at the, as we drop him up, there's a kid there waiting outside with a Man City jersey. And it was like so weird because yeah. even though you like you, you like realize that City's been actually a force for about what a decade? Yeah. Even a force for a decade now? Close to it. You're still yeah. like, oh, you just started supporting them. And I'm like, my son's 12. His kids were like one or two, like yeah. when. <laughs> when City yeah. maybe started winning, like so, it's almost understandable. You can't like you can't hate on Slighty for supporting City. You can't like in his lifetime, that's the club. Yeah, when <laughs> I started watching football, the best team was Man United, and I, and that's the team mm. that was that was on TV all the time, and that's what, that that you can find a connection with, and because of that, you support them and you continue. Once you got your team, you got your team. Now with these lights is sure, coming sure, through, sure. and they're watching, they're seeing City, and they're seeing City in Champions League finals. City playing in f- for all the cups. City up the top end on the table. City playing games like they did last week against Liverpool, um, where you know it's, it's just it's like a, an exhibition match compared to some of the other football um, that you, you we've seen from some of the other teams. So it's hard if you are just <laughs> opening your eyes now to football to ignore a team like City. So now in the nineties, two of my best friends, football friends, I call them football friends. The two, the two dudes I watch football with regularly. Or let's say three. The three guys I watch football with most, besides my father. My father was a Man United fan. He still is. Uh, but the, the three other guys I watch with. One was uh, a, a Everton fan. Yeah. We used to watch football at his house. One was... Uh, he, he swapped. He became a Chelsea fan. It was a big conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah. he was an Everton fan his whole life. had Everton jerseys and everything. Yeah. And then like... <laughs> like 2002, three. No, before that, 2001, swapped to Chelsea at a Zola 25. Yeah. Uh, 
my other friend was a, was a Blackburn fan. Yep. He had a Ripley jersey, Ripley number seven. He yep. had Sutton number nine. And then my other friend was a Newcastle fan, and he would have an Espria jersey. And these were these were proud wearers of these of uh, these kids yeah. of these very much fringe clubs um, mm. like today. But at some point in their history, like actually forces. So this is another this is another problem. Because, like, let's say, for, my, for example, my brother sports Blackburn. Yeah. I don't even think he watches English soccer anymore. He can't. Because, like, there's no, like, reason for him to be involved. So, when, you, when you're choosing your clubs, like, I, be, I became an Arsenal fan in the 90s. And when you're choosing, like, I'm going to support this team for whatever reason, you look at, like, I look at Arsenal fans. When I see new Arsenal fans, I, I'm, I'm always confused. Like, I'm like, what did, you, what did you see in the last 10 years that said... <laughs> <laughs> this is where I must be. <laughs> We're on the right what track. Was, what was happening there on the field in the last 10 years? You're like, nah, this is the team. Yeah. Like, I'm really fascinated because I made fun personally of Liverpool fans for years. Because I'd see young lighties with Liverpool jerseys and say, yeah. you can never have chosen this thing. You probably chose this thing. Yeah, but, but, but you can understand that as well, right? So I know people are saying, oh, sort of supporting Liverpool. I think Celeste was saying, sort of supporting Liverpool when they weren't winning anything. But your father's a Liverpool supporter. And that's a connection, yeah. a family connection. And family connections are strong when football is, is popular in a household. And it's hard to support a team that your father's not supporting when that's what yeah. th- that's what you're doing all the time. And you've got that when you've got that opportunity to watch football and you can watch watching, a game, yeah. you're gonna watch a Liverpool game. So you, you get that connection. Now for me, it was my father was such a big Man United fan that uh I, I deliberately wanted to support someone else and yeah. I, I was nearly a Liverpool fan yeah it's like I didn't know much and uh just to in revel. the 90s <laughs> in the mid 90s uh Robbie Fowler was like um like quite a force he was like like this young dynamo and I was I was almost almost a Liverpool fan yeah because all the Man United fans would argue with the Liverpool fans and I was like I don't know where you're 15 yeah yeah, well, <laughs> and it was only because of Dennis Bergkamp I ended up at Arsenal. But I was almost on the on the level just to oppose my father because I was yeah. like, "Yo, bro, let's see, that's all he's like into is Man United, Man United." I I, I do find a lot of Arsenal supporters empathize um, with Liverpool and have a soft spot for Liverpool. I'm not sure if it's maybe just my small sample size of of, of friends that I know that uh, um, see that way, um, or maybe it was just. I think they were mocked. Maybe like yeah. like like now in in 2021 the rival the football rivalries are different, right? Yeah. So you you, you got uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City competing for the titles. Man United and Arsenal is more banter than actual competition. <laughs> like we actually only we only here for the banter, really. We're not really <laughs> like oh we're gonna beat us with the league title. Yeah. But if you look at the if you look at the late late 90s early 2000s the rivalry uh, was. Liverpool, Man United, Arsenal. But the actual on the field rivalry was Arsenal, Arsenal United. Man United. Yeah. So it's almost like, like in some ways, Arsenal was a surrogate for Liverpool. Like uh, as long as Man United doesn't win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, <laughs> and so as there, as, there yeah. is a weird connection where um, Arsenal kind of uh, represented the challenge to Man United when Liverpool was too weak to do that. Yeah. I, I actually, I, that. I actually know, that. <laughs> I know Liverpool supporters who say um, they are actually happy with, with the progress Man City are, are, are having because it means it's taking away something from United. Um, so mm. um, a lot of the players that initially had signed for Man City when they came into that money were players that were being monitored and were close to joining United. And specifically, I'd be talking yeah. about a player like David Silva and Aguero, right? Those those are players sure. that Fergie had marked and, and wanted, but then Man City came in and they could pay more. And and what that means is United could have been a, a more dominant force had City not come in. So what sure. what does the Newcastle takeover mean? Which which teams will be most affected? By them coming into power, because I think Man United have been most affected by Man City coming into power, and maybe Arsenal. Like no, yeah. Man, no, yeah, I, I would say, I would say we were like, if you look at how many players moved across, Torre and then by your Nasri, Klichy, Senya, yeah, uh, how many first team Arsenal players, yeah, yeah. one of those players, like, yeah, it was like, 
like like the power had shifted. Arsenal had had their period. The players had seen that. We hadn't seen that as fans. Yeah. That it was over. But the players were sharp enough to realize that ah, it's over. So it's interesting that right? that Man City example, those players had moved across because Man City was ready to pay anyone and buy anyone at that point. Anyone who was like even if you look at the, the purchases of Torre, Nasri, they were good, but they were not like the greatest players in the world, but they were good enough for the Premier League. And yeah. so they oh, look who's here. Away, away. What kind, what kind? How you right? Like uh, are you are you calling us from right? from Dubai? I'm still in Dubai another another day. Probably. <laughs> was this your last day? <laughs> this is my second life. Yeah, I leave. Yeah, oh, actually, right. I leave tomorrow morning. I leave tomorrow. Nice. Morning. Still unbeaten. Oh, we just. Still. Yeah, oh, yeah. just about. <laughs> I forgot about that from last week. <laughs> yeah, still unbeaten. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we just discussing the new. So I'm not sure if you're listening. We're discussing the the Newcastle takeover, and the question was from Raz is who who will this affect most? So we're just reflecting back on. Uh, when Arsenal and Man United uh, were affected by the Man City takeover. So, like, for example, Man City took about five Arsenal players over that period. Sanya, Klichy, Nazri, Adebayor, Torre, uh, and Man United. Because I was pointing out that Man United were after Aguero and Silva. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, who who who's the top teams that could now be stripped by a Newcastle takeover? Liverpool, perhaps? Mane and Salah? Tempted to go for the to Newcastle. I, I don't see, I don't see that happening because the Real Madrid and Barcelona haven't been able to attempt tempt them away. Yeah. Um, Liverpool post Coutinho no longer lose their best players to bigger clubs. They've been they've been able to level up. You know yeah. the rule was teams like Southampton sold to teams like Liverpool. Teams like Liverpool sold to teams like Real Madrid and Barcelona. But Liverpool have managed to break that cycle for themselves as a club. Yeah. I'm not, not the cycle for everyone. But what I, I and I don't think there is a team up for grabs in the same way that Arsenal was uh, at that time. Arsenal had a very strict wage structure. Mm-hmm. They had a very socialist way of looking at wages. So the players that earned towards the bottom end, some of the best earning bottom end players in the league. And the guys who earned towards the top end weren't in the top 10 or 20% of earners in the league. So it's easier to push from a team like Arsenal. I think as well, Arsene Wenger was um, a big-headed man in a good way and in a bad way. He was stubborn to a fault. You know, his single-mindedness took him to his success, but it also added to his downfall. And I think he let go of players easier than he should have when he realized they didn't want to be involved instead of maybe fighting for them. Um, Van Persie is the prime example. He literally sold the Premier League title that season. Um, if you take Van Persie's goals, he did. If you take Van Persie's, because Arsenal finished second. Um, how you feel too. Yeah, look, Van Persie was was massive to that title, and I think it papered over some of the cracks that were in the United squad, and and which is why it wasn't such an easy transition for David Moyes. I think if if we were as strong um, throughout the the team with the proper spine um, and didn't have players coming to the end of their career, um, then um, I think David Moyes maybe would have had a better shot at what he had done. But if I'm just touching back on. Uh, on the Salah one, I think maybe he's the one that I might have a question mark on, only because of his contract situation, right? So, at the end of this season, yeah. he has one year left. So Liverpool will have a choice to make: is he gonna get sold for 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 money, or are you gonna allow him to leave for free? So, um, I think he'll be the only one, but it won't be a case of Newcastle. Oh, are you gonna give him a contract? Or contract, right? Because yeah, uh, look, I think it's. Very yeah. likely he gets a contract. So I'm just saying, at this stage, he's probably the one that um, you, you can't rule out in terms of maybe making a move to, to Newcastle, particularly when Real Madrid and Barcelona don't have that money. And and then you look at who uh, PSG have signed. Um, you know, they've signed Messi. But I suppose if Mbappe goes, maybe there's an option for him. Uh, maybe they're looking for um, another wide forward to come in and, and contribute. So maybe PSG is an option, but um, it'll be interesting to see how they how Newcastle tack, uh, tackle it. I think 
The Premier League is a difficult market because every team does not need to sell. Not just like even Southampton. We spoke about Southampton to buy out of Southampton. You got to you got to spend eighty million pounds. You got to break records, um, and and that's not sustainable. And Ben White. And Ben White. So so it's interesting to see what they're gonna do and how they're gonna target it because it's a different playing field I, from when City came. I don't think they're gonna be. I don't think they realistically can target Salatek players up front. Yeah. They can't. Even Man City, it was. Robinho type players. And yeah. Joe. Robinho then isn't 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 what Salah is now. Mm. Um, so I he think you're gonna find player. them. Yeah, you're gonna find them buying um, big names at, at other clubs, but they're not necessarily. I see Coutinho going there, for yeah. example. Yeah. Um, a player like Coutinho, a player like Rodriguez. You know, he's had a good start. Yeah, he's had a good start. No, not even him. It'll be it'll be better players than that. Um, who've, who've proven themselves in the league. Even like I see them signing players or trying to sign players like um, uh, I forget his name now. The the lighty at Barcelona. Um, There's a few. Dembele. Ansu Ansu Fatu. Ansu Fatu. Yeah. Like I see them trying to sign him. I see them. I see them trying to sign a Vinicius from Real Madrid. Somebody who's not yet on a big contract, and who may, who Real Madrid may not yet be uh, open to giving a big contract, mm. they can easily go offer that person two hundred thousand pounds a week and not blink an eye. Mm. Or play like Sterling, right? If Sterling is really like um, not going to be in Man City for long, he's a player that would make uh, marketing sense, financial sense. Someone like yeah. Rashford would Rashford make sense? Uh, Rashford's a mank. He's a mank through and through. I think. Uh... Uh, it'll be very difficult Martial? for them to move. Martial, yeah, possibly. Martial, yeah, Martial would be a good option for them. Martial's a world class potential. Yeah. He's got world class potential. Yeah. It also depends on on what type of approach the owners take as a whole, because they've got a huge sovereign wealth fund. That doesn't mean they're necessarily going to go and do it the way Man City did. They might do it the way mm, Liverpool owners did, but with more financial freedom they might be pragmatic about it yeah and that's what you were saying before you'd you'd hope as a newcastle fan they've got a strong plan in place in terms of what their steps are to be successful sorry i lost you guys there for a second yeah so, so we're just saying you'd you'd hope as a newcastle fan that they've got a plan in place of what the steps are to make them successful and not just let's buy the best players and see where we go so you think there'll be a, a, a a short-term and longer-term strategy, uh, and and they'll have pieces they'll need to play in terms of what that means, and maybe it starts with the manager, or maybe it starts with footballing directors and things at the at, at the back end of of the club first and foremostly. But I suppose the concern then would be there's every chance if they don't improve that squad that Newcastle can go down. You know, Newcastle are still um, this with the squad they got. Um, you know, they they need to make uh, improvements, and maybe that improvement needs to start with the manager first. Okay, cool. I'm um, just wondering. Um, just I'm just thinking of Doug. If there's anyone in our waiting room there, uh, Rags. No, no, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm actually oh, in the waiting room. So um, as soon as someone right, comes, I'll pop him in. Cool. I, I think Ryan is stuck there for a moment. Ryan, can you still hear us, Ryan? Yeah, I was stuck there for a moment. Are you? I think you VPN. The basic thing um, is that it depends on which it depends which route the owners take. They could just go like Man City and Spurs them to do but they could also be more pragmatic and you know financially savvy about it something about the way the uh, Saudi has been opening up to the world and spending money and paying crazy amounts for comedians and acts to go and perform it tells me that they're not going to be pragmatic I'm going to throw as much money at it as fast as possible. Perform. Okay, now How's the dog. How's it, guys? Sorry, first time doing this. So, trying to get <laughs> yeah, cool. We, we can see your camera's dirty. <laughs> <laughs> just, just hold on. <laughs> How you guys doing? Yeah, still dirty. Fingers are dirty too. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> How are you, Doug? Yeah, good you guys. Thanks for having good, me on the show. Cool. For those of you who are listening in, Doug is from Turner's, Turner's XL. Uh, for those of you who know, uh, as you can see, Turner's XL is sponsoring the show. And they have something specific that they're trying to aim for. And that's to get football fans to England, to the Premier League, to watch a match, uh, particularly Liverpool. Ryan has been to... Uh, to Anfield, he knows the experience. Doug is a Liverpool fan. Uh, Doug, we're just discussing uh, which which players you might lose to Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, that won't happen before the 22nd of May. Uh, if you can just tell us a bit about going to watch a football match in England, uh, possibilities. How possible is it for people to now go watch yeah, football sure. in the I Premier think, League? I- I think uh, the, the the most exciting news that we heard this week is that uh, we are now allowed to travel to England. We now got the green light and it's not red listed anymore. So that's huge, obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, um, you know, going to watch a Liverpool game. Uh, we're offering these packages. Uh, the Tottenham game it's sold out with the holding seats. So obviously trying to find some opportunities and people that want to travel. And we obviously got the labor plan as well, where you can pay monthly um, with you know interest free every month and towards your your match tickets and uh, the game. So yeah, I mean you know I'm obviously work for for tenors and uh, yeah. Doug, what does the lay-by plan? What does the lay-by plan start at? What's the uh, what's the amount on the lay-by plan? So, the minimum like, that people. So like there's a deposit of a uh, hundred. 100 pounds, uh, which is about what 2000 rand, and then uh, you pay the matches in May next, next to May, and you got about six months, so you can pay off you pay every month towards your, your, your trip. Um, no interest or anything like that, yeah. And is the match sold out? Did you say it's already sold out? Yeah, yeah, so it's sold out. So the Tottenham Liverpool game sold out, um, and holding 10 tickets, so we're trying to obviously sell those, sell those tickets. <laughs> so, so you've, only got, you've only got ten. There's only ten packages left. Is that what you're saying? No, yeah, we got we've got about ten seats. Uh, <laughs> so it's like you, such as a move right now. If you want first to go. in best dress. Yeah, well, wow. the best news is that we can actually travel to uh, England now. I mean, we've yeah, endless long because COVID. So I mean, that was announced what I think yesterday or Thursday. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, that's I mean, people have been so concerned about traveling and they don't want to invest their, their money um, and risk, you know, not knowing whether they're going to go or not. Now it's guaranteed. So, mm. yeah. Isn't it crazy that matches are sold out in May already? Like, I didn't realize yeah, it's that. Crazy. Uh... It's crazy. We can also do. Don't worry about Liverpool supporters, bro. Yeah, <laughs> we love our team. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> No, I mean, we, we can sell tickets. We also got tickets for Chelsea, uh, Everton, Tottenham um, with our partners in, in England. And we can also do Man United uh, as well. So, um, you know, like we're just trying to get our get ourselves out there on the, the sports sport traveling market. Um, new venture for us. And we're just trying to get out there. I'd like to watch Arsenal. What's that? I'd like to watch Arsenal. <laughs> You'd like to watch <laughs> Yeah, can, can I make can that happen? Oh, you can make a plan. Oh, I mean, you might yeah. have to watch him. You might have to watch him at Anfield, though. Okay, <laughs> that, that's that's not a plan for me because <laughs> I want to watch a winning game. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised for supporting on, on Then you have to watch him. <laughs> then you have to watch him in the FA Cup. Oh, although you yeah. never know, right? Ah, oh, that's that's nasty, bro. That's nasty. <laughs> Arsenal has won the FA Cup more than any other club in England, I think. So, anyone who talks down the FA Cup, it's only because you don't hold the title of the most titles. Yeah, I'm not holding right, it down. Doug. I was just telling the truth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Doug. If people want to get these 10 tickets, just very quickly tell us what they must do. What can they do? Yeah, so, uh, just contact uh, Turner, Cindy. Um, there's a WhatsApp uh, link there. Or just phone yes. Turner's uh, travel. Yeah, it's on the screen right now. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And then, yeah, uh, I mean, we've got tickets. As I said, we've got uh, tickets. Uh, we can sell other games as well. So if you're not a Liverpool fan, you can you can go watch Chelsea. Uh, and Liverpool. Uh, 
Yeah, no, no, you can watch Chelsea at Chelsea, uh, at Stamford Bridge, or you can watch uh, Tottenham, uh, Everton. Those are the those are the three four teams. Um, okay, cool. I mean, crazy that you know the Tottenham Liverpool game is sold out now, um, and now that we are greenlisted now with uh, England, I hope it opens a little bit more opportunities. But um, I'm going to try yeah. to secure one of those nine. I'm going to try to secure one of those ten spots. Shop shop. Are you going to go by no, yourself? Awesome. Uh, yeah, we'd appreciate any support. Um, yeah, and also the labor plan. Uh, ask for quotes, and uh, and then we can make oh. it happen. Ryan, you can go by yourself, though. Um, I'll, come, I mean, I'll come with you, Ryan. I'm, 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 I'm going I'm 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 to try to book a ticket. Uh, I'm going to speak to the powers that be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... And then I'll, make a plan. I don't I'll, know. I'll, 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 I'm also considering it. I'm also considering it. Uh, I still got my my visa. I got a ten year visa. So the, like the process is very easy. It's just book the ticket and buy the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm considering. I'll talk to you about it. Maybe uh, maybe it might be a trip. Yeah. Let's <laughs> right. do it, and then we can we we'll get Craig to come, and then he can get the uh, he can get the uh, yeah. We'll he predicted, he predicted Tottenham. He predicted Tottenham is going to be second <laughs> in the league, and Liverpool going to be first. So this is a title decider. <laughs> this is a title. This is the second last match of the season. A title decider. It'd be very important. Definitely. It, it still hey, you know could what? be, you but might, not for not for Spurs. You might right? be lucky. Yeah, we might be lucky. You might you might actually it might be a game to actually see Liverpool lift the title at Anfield. Well, that would be. That's the reason. That be that's the reason why. It, that's the reason why it sells out. So, uh, generally speaking, the Liverpool matches, the big ones, the Uniteds. The Chelsea's, the yeah, Arsenal's, they're sell out. That Liverpool Man United and, game sold out months ago. Like, we can't yeah. go and watch, watch that and it's sold out. Yeah. And then the ever optimist that Liverpool fans yeah. are, they always say, next year's our year. They always buy out the last few matches at Anfield. They don't want to be the fans that missed the title parade the in the moment. 30 years that were waiting. Wow. Yeah. So those, those matches always, and I think there was huge... In the media, but amongst Liverpool fans, and I think I displayed that as well on the show. There's huge optimism amongst us at the beginning of the mm. season. There was like a, mm. a real positive feeling. So I think those matches went fast. And you still the last few matches. The hangover. You have one hangover season sometimes. After I mean, if you win two titles in two seasons, the Champions League and a league title back to back, you can't have a hangover season before you get back into it. Yeah, and even the season we, we so we the season we lost the Champions League final. Um, we finished second. The season we won the Champions League final, we finished second on like ninety. What is it? Ninety-eight points. Ninety-eight points. We lost by one point. Then we went and uh, won the league title. It was like four seasons of like very high sustained performance. So with the injuries, it caused an extra fallout, if you want to call it that. Mm. But I think the team feels re-energized, renewed, and we feel positive still. I mean, I don't think we're going to walk the league. I thought we were going to walk the league at probably the beginning of the season. I was like, easy, we're going to go back to COVID league and just do mm. 18 points or whatever, 16 points. But now, I think we'll be in the running till the end. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Doug, nice to have you with us, brother. All the Thanks, best. Guys. Thanks for having me. Any, any, awesome. Anything else interesting that you're selling there? Maldives or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> no, we, got, we got some nice Mauritius chips. <laughs> All right. Now, nah, Mauritius, go away. Nah, Bye, nah. Doug. <laughs> 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 All right. Take care. What's wrong with Mauritius? I've never been. You've never been. Have you been to Indonesia? Hey, bruh. Once you go to like Asian, like uh, Asian, like island spots, hey Mauritius, it just be like they're they, they're trying to be that. Mm. Like the best thing you can do is just go to Mauritius and never go to the other ones. <laughs> my like, cousin wow, once sent me a video. My cousin once sent me a video. He worked for I can't remember, like Standard Bank or something, and they've got Standard Bank that side. So he went to go to a project there. Then he just stood in a mall and he took a video in Mauritius and he spun around. And it was, <laughs> I was like, standard bag, Nando's. Checkers. It's very South African. It's very South Dude, African. I was like, he's like, this is, I'm in another country. I'm in another country. Look at this nonsense here. It was extremely, like, you can go to Mr. Price and everything in, in Mauritius. Like, it's wild. The Africans have colonized it to the hilt. 
<laughs> like South Africa has that problem like of colonizing Africa and its surrounding like countries mm. uh, in, in like a very like neo-colonialist way. Yeah. Uh, because they take over they, and they kick out basically what would have been there from the own, their own people. So whatever, whatever the Mauritians or Nigerians or whatever, that's what Nigeria just finds like empty Yeah. They're like, you can afford it. Plus you, you stopping others from making in the market. Mm. But Mauritius is beautiful for those who've never been. Uh, don't, don't take my like things. I'm just messing around here. It's got beautiful parts. Also it's got little islands. So that's quite nice. Um, but yeah, hey, Asia's like just streets ahead when it comes to, um like an island experience anyway back to football for those back of you i'm football. not sure if there's anyone in the comments there uh Raz, if you there's any comments that are interesting that you want to yeah. share with us arnold low has said that when you come to the uk you need to do an impromptu show um if you are looking to, All right, to sure. come in so um and justin thinks there'll be plenty of tickets left for arsenal games so you shouldn't have any trouble <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, Let me just say this: in Arsenal's heyday, you couldn't get a show. You couldn't. I've been to matches, like you couldn't get a ticket in mm. Arsenal's heyday at Highbury. I went to Highbury. You couldn't get in there, bro. Mm. Uh, like so when Arsenal moved to the Emirates, like to just I don't know. We left the glory at Highbury. <laughs> yeah, but so the plan... I don't even have that same. I mean, like, I mean, I, push that... to like you know, like how you guys feel about Old Trafford. How you feel, Ryan, about uh, the cop? Um, when you change stadiums, it's a weird thing, bro. Yeah, but for you, they sold you a dream, right? They sold you a dream about being able to compete with the best clubs in, in the world because um, you'll have a world-class stadium with, with, with the bigger capacity, you can bring in more income and, and, and whatever that dream was. But they sold you a short, that's for sure. I suppose maybe they didn't anticipate the Man Cities and the Chelsea's um, and what... And, and what that landscape w- w- would be and then now, now you add another player with Newcastle so um, I- I'm not sure what, what the Arsenal fans view is. is is it around being so short and what their dream was or was it more um, a situation about timing and just being unlucky with with, with, with those other teams coming to um, yeah, coming to power I don't know the answer to that but I will I, say this yeah, I think buildings, right do, buildings, buildings do have reverence Mm-hmm. They do. I've been in buildings that are important. My, I've got a cousin who stays here in the UAE. And uh, last week when I had to leave, I was, I was with him, checking out of a hotel, him and his wife. And he's a huge Man United supporter, and his wife is a huge Liverpool supporter. Mm-hmm. And on honeymoon, they went to England, and they visited the stadiums. And uh, unfortunately, it was pre-season, so there's no games. The teams are out of the country. And he's a huge Man United supporter. And he was like, the difference in the feeling from Old Trafford to Anfield in an empty stadium is like, he said Anfield was wondrous. Old Trafford felt like another big stadium. Mm. And this was prior to the Anfield um, improvements. It was a few years ago. But he was like, he can see why this place, he could feel why this place was important. And he's not a Liverpool fan. And he had literally spent the day before at Old Trafford. And never he didn't have the feelings he got in Old Trafford that he got at Anfield. This is just where it's situated in the city, how close it is to Goodison Park, the type of people that stay around, the very working class people that stay around the city, that see the fans coming into the stadium and make an effort to treat them and make an effort to make sure that they know that they appreciate Liverpool fans from all over the world. Mm. Um, so if Highbury had some of that, and you move to a big new fancy stadium in a fancier part of town, you lose a connection with the people, you lose a connection. The, the staff don't feel maybe the same way that they felt before. Um, and this, it's possible. It's possible that the timing is also true that Chelsea were just on the come up at the same time. But I think sometimes the intangibles in football, you're not able to... Yeah. Yeah, you were right when you said earlier that Arsenal was there for the taking with its wage structure. Um, I think that ultimately um, a, a team uh, not ready to. Sorry, guys, I lost it. The VPN is is not. Yeah, you're not sure. today. I, I was saying you were you were 100% right when you said Arsenal was there for the taking. Uh, if you look at the weight structure and uh, and also Bengal's philosophy about uh, when a player gets a certain age, 
they can they can't stay in the team. They have to move them on. They play less games, all that sort of stuff. You and Buck can be surprised about it often. So Arsenal is there for the taking, but I also think that um, like the Highbury uh, sets up. You know, Highbury. This is a weird thing. If you, if you think of a football stadium, um, outside the stadium, you should never be able to look inside and see the field, whether through a crack on the door. But you know, Highbury, you could actually see the players on the field from outside, like the front, through the cracks. Is like the the doors opening. That's how uh, close to the ground, so to say, it was. Mm. Where stages, stadiums, stadiums like the Emirates, you have to climb like a flight of stairs, and then you get to the top, and then it's still like a like a story. And I'm assuming assume Old Trafford is similar. So, if there's any other stadium in in uh, in the world I'd like to go, definitely Anfield. Um, even um, even not being a Liverpool supporter. I, the thing I enjoyed the most is watching them sing uh, You'll Never Walk Alone Before the Game Starts. Like, it's just, you can't explain it, even as like a, like a, it's almost like a churchy kind of feel. <laughs> it's a hymn. Like, um... It is a hymn. <laughs> so, you're very right, because you never walk alone is a hymn. Yeah. So, they're, they're, saying I, I, it, I know <laughs> they're saying it when they came here in Melbourne, and I think that went viral, because I think it was the loudest that had ever yeah. been sung at that point. Yeah, it was a hundred thousand people, I think, at MCG. At the MCG, yeah. Wow, so that was that was impressive. Um, yeah, um, you know the thing com- is, like, like, go to the comments. Eh? I was gonna say, so Justin was talking about the intimidation factor of a smaller stadium. Um, he, he, so, so I think that's that's maybe where where the hybrid intimidation may have come in. Um, yeah, so like close to the field. Yeah, yeah. Like, so the fans were on top of you. Celeste mentioned she went to Spurs Stadium last year when, when we could still travel and um, um, she said that it, uh, it's a lovely stadium but um, it, you could feel no history in comparison to then Liverpool where it felt like a home. Um, so and there's just a few comments on that. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, cool. So we got the international games that happened this week. Uh, some interesting Spain uh, resurgence there, whatever. Revival because Spain has been on the wane <laughs> uh, for a long time, but they're back in a final. Oh, so. Spain. Yeah. <laughs> Spain have always had a talent, but um, I think Spain look primed to um, to achieve big things in, on the world stage again. I think um, Luis Enrique. They need a ten-year turnaround, like uh, yeah. From the look, world I, Cup I think um, what they they've turned around the team quite quite drastically so you look at some of the players that are playing against Italy and how young they were but not only just how young they were but how good they were so there was a kid Gavi who played in the mid in the middle um he played I think 85 or 88 minutes and that's the longest he's played um in his career for at senior level he hasn't even played that long for Barcelona not just Barcelona a but like Barcelona's main team but Barcelona's B team he hasn't played that long for so and and he's now starting in the Spanish lineup and it's crazy it's crazy it's but it's because Luis Enrique was in that setup and he and he knows what he needs yeah. for that team. So I think it's it's a uh, you know I think Barcelona could do it. The manager like um, like like Luis Enrique, that's for sure. But you know that Gavi is an example. Then you've got you know Pedri who went to the Euros and was one of the players of the tournament. Um, and and he's only a young kid. And then you got Ansu Fati who we spoke about earlier, who you know you can see as being one of the players of the future. And he's in that in in that setup as well. So I think Spain look very very strong for years to come. I think I think the the thing with the Spanish team, the one that won the Euros and the World Cup, I think they won another. They won two Euros. Yeah, I think it was two Euros. Yeah, one World won. Cup. One World two Cup. Two Euros and one World Cup. Yeah. That team matured together, and they peaked together, and it never changed. Mm. And it included people like. Um, Andres Iniesta, Davia, Torres in his prime, uh, Busquets, the Javis, the Gerard Piquets, the who was the other captain, Barca, centre back, we all, yeah, but that's also important. The goals, they all grew together. So, post that second Euro, I think Puyol was already gone, yeah. And then Iniesta quickly went. Xavi quickly went. Yeah. Um, and the team broke down essentially. The the, the Spanish national team it broke down. Um, 
And I think they made a decision instead of trying to find, uh, trying to replace them with other guys getting into the prime or maybe not ideal, let's just focus on the next generation. Yeah. Is we understand that there's going to be a lull for a while, but we believe in that the Spanish system always produces good players and will will rebuild. And it looks like that that's what they've achieved. Yeah, well, let's see. I'm excited to see what they can do in the World Cup. They look. I mean, it's going to be a good game on Sunday. Uh, well, it's going to be Monday morning for me with uh, France, who are a team that um, are in their prime, right? So this is probably their team's last sort of hoorah in terms of what they can achieve at the next World Cup before they need to start looking at building another setup and 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 similar to what we're talking about the. Um, what what the Spain team went through. So um, so you've got an up and comer in Spain up against you know um, the stalwart in France. So I'm really keen to see what that game looks like. We we, we in basketball they talk about dynasties quite like frequently. The Celtics dynasty, the Pistons or the the Bulls dynasty, the Lakers. But in football we don't really look at it like in a similar way. But if you think about those Spanish teams, that are like a dynasty, like you know those, those players that you mentioned. And when you have a dynasty, uh, those players have to play all the time. So you're almost setting yourself up for a barren period because uh, that, that uh, transition of the next group is held off because this team has to stay together, kind of. Thing. And then you're almost guaranteed that rebuild. And if you look at United, I suppose United. Um, I was gonna say uh, that. I was gonna say, look at United yeah. with Greenwood and Rashford and. And and Sancho yeah. is, is that what we're looking to do to build a dynasty of the back yeah, of to up the and dynasty, Because yeah. if you look at the kids of nineties or the nineties, that was a dynasty, right? And uh, even though United continued winning titles, once that 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 Beckham Neville called dynasty was it was like now patent full, patent full to rebuild the dynasty. Yeah, um, but that, 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 that was one of Fergie's strengths, though. Fergie knew how to continually evolve his team. And, and bleed in players and bring in talent. And even though a player might be in the prime, you bring in someone to challenge that, um, you know, and make sure... Change the way the team played football as yeah, well. change the he, way he brought he in. Very... And, and, and not just in terms of... Um, and that, that, that extended to through to his backroom staff. So he ch- cons- consistently changes his backroom staff with, with some of the best in, minds in the world so that he can change it and play a different way in ways that he may not have had the probably the the vision to to implement so um you know in, in that respect like he was a genius and and i'll say this from his dynasty the reason why it didn't continue is because they didn't draw a line in the sand hmm. they said when you get a manager whose philosophy is similar to his there's a similar personality to him and we're going to try to just keep it going. That's what they did. Yeah. Whereas they should have like drawn a line in the sand he and started again. Yeah. Huh? It's he always going to be hard. Like, and, 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 yeah, no, and life... I'm, I'm not saying he was right or wrong. I'm yeah. just saying that's what... It's easy to look back now, but yeah. United needed a, a, to, 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 to modernize again. Fergie helped modernize the club and then they needed to modernize again yeah. for the new, the new way football clubs were run. Because it'll be interesting life. The old model. So he spoke about life after Fergie, and then he, you know, Carvin and them were experiencing life after Arsene Wenger. Um, you know, there'll be a time when we need to talk about life after Klopp, and and how can Liverpool no, continue that? And and then even even City is. I think obviously because City have a different model in terms of what they can spend and and, and who's backing them. But I, I I still think it'll be a difficult transition when Pep goes as well. Yeah, I'm yeah. scared for life after Klopp. Klopp is uh, the reason, no offence, Calvin, that we're not Arsenal. Offence taken. When I say we're not Arsenal, I mean a team that uh, can sort of find financially compete in like the top six-ish, yeah. top seven-ish, mm-hmm. um, but are required to punch above their weight in order to compete. Yeah. Uh, Jürgen is the reason why we're able to spend in the the 10th most money and be close in the top two. When he goes, uh, our owners are not going to change. Mm. They're not going to, they, they've shown us who they are time and time again. Um, and we'll struggle unless we can find another amazing manager who can punch above his weight. And I don't see anyone who's able to punch above his weight the same way Jürgen does. 
yeah. at the no, moment. No. I, I worry. I worry, especially. So. Yeah, I, look, I'm, I'm I worry for top four. From a Liverpool perspective, I'd be worried as well in terms of there's been a lot of talk of of Gerard um, being that next, and I think that'll be tough. I, I think mm. I, I think him what coming in. What's that? Do you think Klopp is Klopp is Van Persie? Is Klopp is papering over the cracks? Now Klopp, Klopp is a no, world class manager. So and he not like Fergie was a world class manager, and and you're gonna there's not many world class managers going around. So if you but don't you get that, it's deep enough and it's done enough like groundwork to survive after Klopp. No, like, let me all, let me put it let me put it very simply. The way Liverpool's managers, are, uh, Liverpool, the, what world Liverpool's owners are willing to spend mm. under a world-class manager like Jurgen Klopp only puts a dent on the spending table in the league. That's, that's the reality of the situation. So what I'm saying is, if Jurgen Klopp leaves, Jurgen Klopp is so important to us punching above our weight that when he leaves, we will be... Even if we get another really good manager, we're going to be six, bruh. We've yeah. built the reason why we've, we've got a world-class team at the moment is because we've, bought, we've is because Jürgen bought the, the, the team, or Liverpool bought good players and he made them great. Yeah. He made them great. But they also bought and players, bought great for, players. Klopp, for Klopp to play in Klopp's system. So the next manager, you're not guaranteed will see the game in the same way as Klopp. You're not going to get someone who's a mirror image and because they'll have a different view of the game and the way he wants to play that team may not be suited for it so it's you know it's oh, always yeah. going to be a challenge it's always going to be a challenge so um you know arsenal probably tried their as best as they could to get to a position where they can transition and 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 think that it's going to be a transition where they can continue up and on an mm. upward trajectory but that that proved too difficult and united are still struggling you know and this is almost what you know, it's gonna be nine nine years since for you. <laughs> and there's an added there's an added there's an added thing of this Liverpool, although because of Man City's financial doping, they haven't built the dynasty that was meant for Jurgen Klopp in Liverpool. You know, any team that gets three ninety point seasons gets three Premier League titles normally. Yeah. That's just the way it is, and it hasn't happened because yeah. of Pep and Man City. But now we say, we face the same problem is Klopp's leaving in three years. This team, most of the the big players in this team will be approaching the end of their prime in that same period of time or beyond their prime. Mm. What do you do now? Is there gonna be a massive rebuild or do you patch and fill? Is Klopp then the, the greatest Liverpool manager? So He's obviously the greatest of the, of the Premier League era because no one's won the Premier League. Yeah, uh, but then, is, is he the greatest Liverpool manager if he wins the um, the Champions League, a league in another league? If if he wins, if he can win, let's say another two major trophies, so another two Champions Leagues or another two leagues or another league and Champions League. I think he'll be have a shout for being one of the greatest, especially where he took the club from. But, but, but yeah, remember somebody like Paul Shankly or even before him, Bob Paisley. Bob, Bob Paisley, Paisley took Liverpool from the second division of English football to European and to European champions in the space of three years. Imagine a team going from the second division now, from the championship to winning the Champions League. It, you know, you'd have to count that as something major. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think it's so difficult. The time was times were there was there were less uh, teams to compete with financially then. Yeah. All teams. But there was more teams it wasn't like twenty-two teams. Twenty-two in teams in the league, but I, I think the competition now, like Liverpool at the stage, were. A powerhouse. I'm not talking about when Paisley took them from the second, but I'm talking about when they were dominating in, in England and Europe with, with Shankly. Yeah. They were a powerhouse, and and you know they didn't have four or five teams that could legitimately compete on on a year by year. They were breaking transfer records. Yeah, yeah. So so I think for 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 Klopp to be competing. <laughs> 
for club and two pairs and two pairs of boots and two pairs of boots. But but for club to be competing with these teams um, that are doping financially doping um, and and get three ninety plus point seasons and get a Champions League, so then you extending the sample size to not just competing with the the, the big spenders in the Premier League, but competing with the big spenders on the European stage. You know that that's it's it's almost miraculous in terms of what he's done. So yesterday yesterday was his six year anniversary. You know the club released interviews and. Things like that. He was, he's been at Liverpool for six years. And I was thinking about it. In those six years, he took a team. And when he took us over, I think we were eighth. In those six years, I've seen two Champions League finals, a Europa League final, uh, and three 90-point seasons in six years. That's immediate results, bro. That's Im- he came in and he made an immediate change to the club. And he is... And and the thing that I got from you know thinking about all that is, is my favorite part of him being at the club is actually how socially competent he is. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm. Like my favorite things that he's ever spoken about at the club is when he's spoken on Brexit, or spoken on recently on vaccinations, yeah. or spoken on socialism. Um, is like realizing that he's actually a better human being than he is a football manager. Hmm. And, and he's special. He's special. Yeah, he's, he's I mean, I don't know how religious he is, but he said that he is religious and he goes to church and he believes in. Hmm. I think he's a Lutheran. Hmm. Something yeah, like German that. German's a Lutheran. <laughs> oh, Martin Luther. Uh, Original. Yeah, so those of you who are listening, thank you for listening in. Uh we will will we have it on the Apple podcast, you'll drop it on there. Yeah, shortly. Within the next hour. You can pick it up and listen to it in your car. Uh Sean Brian, all the best. Um for your next stopover. So you're done, you quarantined, you ready, you're going to America, you set. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, unless the US border patrol agents have something to say i'm on my way <laughs> are you still on lockdown right yes we are so we'll be in lockdown up until the end of november so um in the no- <laughs> end of november they expect that we'll we'll have uh the population and 80 percent double dose you'll have the population 80 percent double dose in november 80 percent double dose in november yeah Wow, so, so that impressive. so that was the strategy. So um, to get everyone vaccinated, oh you've been in lockdown for what? Since the pandemic started, how many months did So so Melbourne overtook Buenos Aires um, a last week as being the city that's been in the harshest lockdown for the longest period of time. So I think it's uh, have there been levels. Has it been one consistent level of lockdown? Or yeah, has... this lock, like in terms of, we, we have had levels, we've come out of lockdowns, but when we've gone back in, it's an extreme lockdown. Like we, um, you can only leave your house for, for three reasons, you know, medical supplies, you know, food, shopping and exercise. Um, outside, and you can only go within a five kilometer radius. Um, you have to work from home if you... In a job that you got to travel, you got to get exemptions and, and permits. Um, and now to push up the vaccines, they are mandating um, certain um, c- certain roles. So um, yep. if, if you are a teacher, you are now mandated to, to get the vaccine or else you cannot go to school. If you're uh, in the medical profession, you've got to get a vaccine. If you're in the construction industry, um, you've got to get a vaccine um, before you can go back to work. So that's helped the numbers push up. So I think there is quite a low number in terms of opposition to the vaccine. I think it's about uh, eight, the leaders, 8%. Like Melbourne serious anti-COVID like, uh, protests. And, there, there was massive like, protests, but, but it, you know, it only takes about 100 or, or up to 500 people to have a protest. That can seem to be extreme, but you know, in in general, the, 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 there's a large level of acceptance of the vaccine. So the numbers are about look, throughout the country, 
we we will get close to ninety percent vaccination rates, uh, and that, that of the get, adult population of uh, the adult for also that's, of sixteen years and above. So um, that's the anticipation. That's very impressive. The requirement is eighty percent for us to be open and 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 then not be concerned with lockdowns any further. So so once we get to eighty percent, they will be they calling it a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So and they say they can manage that for the unvaccinated. And, and it's showing in the hospital numbers. So like, <laughs> <laughs> tell him we saw him, bro. Even though he bent down, we saw him. <laughs> They're both crawling past. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the vac- vaccination numbers, you know, it's evidence through hospitalization. So when they talk about who's in hospital, you know, it's about ninety percent of the people in hospital are unvaccinated. There, there's a very small percentage that have been in South Africa. It's, it's, vaccinated. it's closer to ninety nine percent. Oh wow! In the South Africa, that ten percent in, in Australia is South African. <laughs> yeah, well, that ten percent is people who may have just been vaccinated, so they've been one, have got oh, yeah. one dose, or they've just had two yeah. doses, and then there's a very small percentage of people who who have been vaccinated and still get sick. I mean, well, that's still going to happen, but um, no, I'm saying like ten percent of people who don't want to be vaccinated in Australia. Yeah. yeah. I, I will say this. I do think the Raj touched on a good point is that the unvaccinated or the anti-vaxxers or the vaccine hesitant get a lot more media coverage than the percentage of the population they are. Yeah. So there may only be 10, 20% of the population, but there's no pro-vaccine coverage in terms of these are people that are happy to get the vaccine. Yeah. It's all about the anti-vaxxers and the anti-vaccine protests. We saw that thing in Cape Town. Rather, were thirty people outside or forty people outside for this hospital. That thing was on every front page of every newspaper. Yeah. But when I went to go get my vaccine, the first shot of my vaccine, there were more people standing in the vaccine line than there were at the anti-vax <laughs> protest. Yeah. Just on that one day, no, there was no news outlets there taking pictures of the line around the block. Yeah. In a random suburb. We are, we are way okay. open. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Chop, guys. Goodbye. <laughs> Chop.